You are tuned into the Dr. Tina Show with Dr. Tina Moore. For more, visit drtina.com. On this episode of the Dr. Tina Show, I'm sitting down with my buddy, Otto Gomes. Otto is someone that I've been following for the past few years since the pandemic started, and he is an expert in financial, crypto, you name it. He's also got such a cool vibe going about him, and he looks at money in such a unique way. I was excited to get him on the show considering what's going on in the world right now, and we had a really wonderful conversation. It was enlightening. It taught me several things, got several questions answered, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did interviewing him. Let's jump in. Otto Gomez, welcome to the Dr. Tina Show. I am so excited to have you here finally. We have been friends on the Instagram since the beginning of this pandemic. I actually got disconnected from you for a short time because Instagram likes to take accounts away from me, as I'm sure they do you as well. But you have been on the front lines of the whole freedom fighting movement uh, in the best way. And your niche, from what I know, and I'll have you explain more in a second, is crypto and how to be you know, monetarily autonomous from the system. And I've heard you speak on this in the past. And I'm so excited to have you here today because the world is in chaos, it seems, monetarily. So would you please introduce yourself to my audience? Yes. Well, first off, thank you so much. I love doing these kind of conversations and, um, and, and I love you. I'm, I'm actually met her. In, I met you in person. So like yeah. we were able to give, give each other a big hug. <laughs> we um, hugged. <laughs> so yeah, I've been, um, I've been in the crypto space for almost 10 years now. I got in around 2012. I was an accountant, um, for 10 years before that. And so I had a, already a financial background. And it was back in, I'm going to say 2009 is when I saw that documentary Zeitgeist and Loose Change. And they just threw me for a whirlwind just because of what I was used to uh, being an accountant and, and being the tax preparer. Uh, so then when I got introduced to, to Bitcoin and the white paper, that was in the back of my mind, I had held on to that belief of like, okay, well, we need something to figure this out. But I was like, I'm just one person. And so I kind of, even after uh, having that realization with the documentaries, I just kind of went back into my nine to five and this is what we're supposed to do. So when Bitcoin came out and I read the white paper, that shook me, it shook me up. And I said, this is it. This is the the solution that we've been waiting for. Um, so for the last 10 years, I've been down that road. And that's literally been, um, I'm going to say, in the last seven years, seven to eight years has been 100% my full-time thing. And I'm 100% in the crypto space now. Uh, so now, in the last three years, I've been shifting and pivoting because of the pandemic. Uh, I've, I've been shifting towards uh, educating, supporting those to create their own path. Because I do believe that the, it's an inevitable direction that everything is moving towards. It's not just another asset class. It's a paradigm shift. And so every system is decentralizing right now. We're, we're removing ourselves from uh, um, third-party custody to being in our own custody, in our own power, in our own discernment. Um, so I do believe blockchain is going to be used by both sides. It'll be used to further entrap and keep you in the fear, in the loop, or it can help you be you know, it's the tool that can help you actually disconnect and create your own stuff. Yeah, it's it's getting scary. Um, with 
Yeah, I feel like I wake up every Monday to or Friday to like a whole new series of banks collapsing. And I keep thinking of you. And again, I, I went looking for you, couldn't find you on my Instagram because Instagram likes to just disconnect me. <laughs> and that's how they take my followers away without me knowing, right? They yeah. just disconnect. I'm sure you know this game. I'm, I'm well. almost like one to one. Every follower I get, I get, I lose one. It's like, oh yeah, like, what's that's going the on perpetual here? shadow ban, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, anyway, I went searching for you and I found you and I was like, I got to have you on the show right now because I feel like we're, you know, I've, I've said from the beginning and I, I wasn't really public about this, but I shared it with my closest friends and family. I, I was, I was certain from, you know, month one of the pandemic that they, this was the long game to get us into a digital you know, credit system. Yes. Like that was clear to me. And everyone I told laughed at me and I was like, okay, well, I haven't been wrong about anything so far. Like I've been calling this play by play. So I, that, and, and it's coming, right? So what in July, they're rolling out the yeah, Fed, July, whatever. July Fed, Fed now. Uh, so that's going to be, think of it like the government's Venmo. And yeah. And, yeah. Using CBDCs. I keep waking up thinking it's going to be like on Handmaid's Tale where she goes to run her credit card at the coffee shop and they're like, sorry, it's been declined. And oh, by the way, all your money's been put in your husband's account. Oh, and by the way, you don't, no one has access to it anymore. And I was like, that's, that's, that's where my head's going. (laughs) So so you know where I am. (laughs) Essentially, I mean, you're nailing the head because this is, uh, they're going to shift to programmable money. And programmable money in crypto is smart contracts. They're smart contracts. So if you you haven't created your path of choice and one day you wake up and it's going to be that programmable money, as soon as you spend $1, that's like signing the contract. And then they can do basically whatever they want with that money now. So I just had last weekend my bank, I have a credit union is what I use. And I <clears throat> got a big packet that said about two weeks ago, three weeks ago that said, Basically, we're overhauling our system. The system will be down for three days. And here's the big booklet on the changes. And I honestly haven't even had the, I've been too afraid to thumb through it. It's it's daunting. It's big. And I'm like, I'm sure there's somewhere in there that is, I'm guessing that there's something looming right on the horizon. Like you proceeding from here on May 1st, when we start this back up is is some kind of consent is, is exactly what you just said. So, I mean, I'm, I, I don't know because I haven't read through it, but <clears throat> it, once the bank started failing, I started getting a lot of notifications on my credit cards, on my, you know, just like stuff kept coming in the mail that's way above my head. And it's like, well, fuck, this is really happening. And I don't need my money sitting in a bank account where I, we have spoken out against the system. So we are clearly on some shit lists and I don't need to wake up and have that be the end of my income. So what I wanted to talk to you about today, I think I should probably have you back for a similar talk to where what you gave in Arizona when I met you in person at that event, which was like how crypto works. But can we just do like the quick and dirty? We have about an hour and I want to make sure to cover right now what you would suggest people quickly need to understand and then how do we like how do we go about this what and maybe you don't want to answer specific details but like for me personally I'm sitting here with x amount of money in the bank I don't feel like waking up and having it not belong to me anymore <clears throat> putting it in crypto is it bitcoin is it like what's the what's the route here for like the kindergarten version for the yeah. average american 
So um, the first first thing that I've been advising and, and, and teaching my students is to become aware of who you are physically in relationship to these systems, um, as well as know what kind of system you're dealing with. Because um, we believe truly that money, that this thing that we use or we're working towards every day is the thing with value, when, when in reality, we're actually the ones giving it value. We are the creditors of that and it's not money, it's currency. It's a, it's a promissory uh, note that's a debt vehicle. It's a debt vehicle. It just holds debt. And so um, the first layer is, is really just becoming aware of who you are in relationship to that and, and how the flow of value and worth is actually moving. Because right now, we've all collectively in this society has externalized our self-worth onto the things that are supposed to be just tools for us to use to create in this reality. So we have to re-internalize our self-worth, put it back inside of us and go, oh, I am the creditor. I am the one giving worth. And then this is all just tools. So that's the first thing because that, that, that dissemination of the current belief system, the current paradigm is, is super essential uh, before even stepping into the crypto space or wanting to invest or anything. Um, and then the next thing about that question uh, would be what to do. Uh, look, blockchain right now, in general, the idea of blockchain, that's what it's about. It's about blockchain. It's about the fact that we can, we have now this, this operating system that has, I'm going to say about eight or nine different variables that create intrinsic value. It's permissionless, it's decentralized, peer-to-peer, open ledger, it's self-regulating, self-governing. I mean, there's so many air, uh, levels to it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it doesn't need a registrar, an officiator, because it's, it is the officiator. Um, and so it's all about blockchain. And then you get the brands, the brands that put their name on the blockchain, and then they, they code it specifically to their brand, and then they release the, the project. Uh, Bitcoin is the brand. Bitcoin is the brand of blockchain, okay? And now, I would say that uh, out of the 26,000 plus projects that currently exist in the crypto space right now, 99% of them are unconscious scams. Meaning like they're, they're not necessary. So there's like a ton of obvious scams. They're just trying to take your money and scam you. But and then there are the, the, the projects that were created with individuals that had good intentions and, and it's legitimate. It's based on um, all the things that we are, are um, it's based on all the concepts and, and uh, banking concepts that we're used to. And that's the problem. So you have all these projects that were developed by coders that didn't work on their relationship to money. They didn't work on who they are in relationship to these systems. So then you have all these projects I mean, honestly, like 99% of the projects are unconscious scams. They're just uh, still trapping you to the same uh, siphoning, you know, where the, the money's flowing to the few that have the most, uh, where there's still inflation built in. If inflation is built into a crypto project, that's a red flag. <laughs> that's bad news. Uh, there's no need for it. So to quickly answer your question, there's only like five to 10, I would say, uh, grassroots projects that started from individuals from a need. And Bitcoin is one of them. And then I get the question, well, what if it was created by evil? Well, yeah, or, you know, by them. Well, here's the thing. Uh, it's an idea. The idea of crypto, the idea of blockchain is out. 
And then it's about how you use those tools. How do we utilize the tools? Because they're just tools. They're just tool, a new tool in the reality. And so it's not the tool that's evil. It's how we use it, how we use it for ourselves. And so through my history of being in the crypto space and, and just knowing the layers, Bitcoin really is, if used properly, if used properly and stored properly, is the hedge against inflation, centralization, and control. Bitcoin. Um, with that said, I, I am actually pushing and teaching individuals to do it themselves, to create their own ecosystems, create their own communities, start to use blockchain to layer on top of the, the reality, of the physical, so that it facilitates trust. Wow. Does that answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just, I don't know what it is. I am, it, it's like my age or something. When I start thinking about blockchain uh, and I bring it up to anyone around me, we all, now if I talk to my daughter who's 23, she inherently gets it. I was talking to a friend the other day about having my own wallet versus having it on a, you know, like a cash app or something like that. And I could not grasp half of what he was saying, but my daughter's sitting there like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And finally he just turns to her and starts explaining it to her because clearly her brain is registering, you know? And my old lady brain is like, but what if this and what if this? And so these are the questions I have, like, what if the internet goes down? How do I access my Bitcoin? What if they make it illegal in the United States? What do I do? You know, can they confiscate it? Is this something that I have to report taxes on? It's like the the overwhelm of it is a bit paralyzing. Yeah, layers on layers, right? Yeah, and I'm t- totally <laughs> and that old lady that just can't, like you're just sitting here like, okay, Tina, <laughs> how do I explain this more simply? <laughs> no, it's... It, I try, I've spoken to people of all ages. It's not about the age. It's about just like, it's, it's a complex situation. It's a complex subject. Um, and I've, I feel like I have a good gift in, in creating the analogies to try to, to explain it better. Um, so for the internet, so let's go one by one there. The, in, the internet, the internet, uh, when we actually see how, when you do the research and you see how the internet actually functions and is built practically, um, it changes the game. So, I've done the, I've done the work, the research. It's 95%. Okay. 90, maybe less now because of Starlink. So maybe 90%. 90% of the internet is actually hard cables. So it's physical hard cables that are laid down, uh, across the ocean to connect country to country. And, you know, this started back in the late seventies. Uh, so there's, there's, a, there's a mycelium network of cables now of hard cables that connects us to each other. And by the way, that includes electrical cables. A lot of people don't realize this, but electrical cables can actually send information. You can actually send information not only through the cables themselves, but through the aura, um, the aura field, the toroidal field that happens in the cables. You can send information through that. Um, So there's technology today that exists that allows you to transmit information through electrical cables, okay? So there's a mycelium network of hard cables, then there's the uh, internet we perceive, right? When, we, when you go online and you go into your websites, Google, whatever, the internet we perceive or that we have access to is uh, 10% or less of the actual internet or the processing power of the internet. The majority is actually coming from the individual devices themselves, okay? So that's the majority is us, is the individuals with devices. And so whenever we access the internet, we're actually accessing five to 10% of centralized servers to then reconnect to each other. 
to communicate back to each other. So we're, we're doing this like weird redundancy step that's completely unnecessary and actually completely the uh, opposite reason why the internet was created in the first place. It was supposed to be peer-to-peer connections. So here we are in this reality, we call it the web two reality, where you have uh, um, the majority decentralized with devices, but accessing the minority servers and, pro- and uh, operating systems to connect to each other. Think of blockchain, think of crypto as the operating system to eliminate those third-party servers and allow us to connect to each other. And so it doesn't require uh, gatekeepers. Uh, there's, there's companies right now creating solutions uh, in the devices themselves for internet. So imagine having blockchain-based internet where you don't have to access those servers anymore to access the same information. Um, also, you don't need electricity. You don't actually need internet to use Bitcoin. You don't need, but neither of those. All you need is a device to house the, the ledger. So every time somebody downloads a wallet and buys Bitcoin and stores it in the, in the wallet, you're actually downloading all of the ledger Every single transaction, buy and sell and send from the beginning, from the, the, the initial uh, uh, beginning of Bitcoin, of the protocol. So you're downloading the whole thing into your, into your wallet, into your device. And so everyone has the, the same ledger. That's how, that's how it keeps it, itself accountable because every time I send a transaction, it checks uh, 13 other wallets or 13 other nodes to make sure that the information is on the ledger and then it approves it. That's how it, it stops double spending. So in Africa, in Africa right now, they're using a Bluetooth mesh network to transact using Bitcoin. And so they have their devices, their phones, and it's like old Nokia phones that you, there's no, it's not smartphones. It's just like text messages. And they're able to go around and pay with this device because they're using Bluetooth to transmit. And so, and so there you go. There's a, there's, it's, it, the, the solutions are coming. It's, everything is being solved. Um, this idea of EMPs and the internet going down, electricity going down, the grid going down. It's, 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 it would be, it would be, if that happens, we're going to have way bigger right. problems than being able to transact with each right. other. And so, um, and then what was the other question? Oh, what if it becomes illegal? Right. So then it's about, um, governments and, you know, um, 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 regulations, trying to regulate industries. Uh, that's where I said that first part about recognizing or remembering who we are physically in relationship to these systems. Everything is based on contract law. So, um, it's actually completely inverted how we are physically in relationship to these systems. We believe now, we've been indoctrinated to believe that the system is above us. The legislative system is above us and it controls humanity, right? It controls humans. But it's the complete opposite. It's inverted. Uh, if you go back to ecclesiastical law, way back biblical law, it is God and then it's the servants of God, which is men and women. And then it's the servants of the servants of God, which in the Bible are the angels and demons. And nowadays we call them politicians. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get the, the systems that, 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 um, have the, the law of the land, essentially, or whatever you want to call that, uh, the legislative system. So to get down there for, for that system to be able to control the physical, the servants of God, you have to go through contract. And so we've, we've all just agreed to be a part of these systems. It's, it's just an offer. 
It's just a, a product that was offered out and then through indoctrinating or in, through manufactured consent, through education system, peer pressure, uh, entertainment, we've just said, yeah, that's, that's, that's cool. I want to be a part of that. And then we signed the contract and then we're a part of it. But in reality, we, we agreed for control for everything they're doing. Everything they're, that's happening right now is an agreement. Is an agreement that we gave from ourselves. Um, so to, after saying all that, to quickly answer your question, uh, uh, is, is the government your daddy? You know, that's the question. <laughs> if, if they are, no. <laughs> then, then, then the fear, yeah, then the fear of that government will push actions. With that said, there are many ways to, in the public sector, so, you know, there's the public sector, there's a the private sector. In the public sector, there are many ways to structure yourself to where you defer taxes altogether, completely, uh, especially for crypto now because they haven't classified crypto yet. And I don't believe they will because it's too hybrid. And, um, and then, and then that's not even talking about the private sector. In the private sector, you can structure yourself in a way lawfully where you don't pay any tax. That's how the elites do it. You all, you, um, success is owning nothing but controlling everything, you know, through trusts. So regulations, honestly, for, to me, uh, is sort of a good thing. It's sort of a good thing because that's gonna, it's gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna just, that, that whole matrix is gonna start tightening, tightening, tightening using the monetary system, the new CBDCs to do that, to control. And as people become aware, they're gonna go, oh, that's a dependency of mine now. I'm going to cut that dependency and figure out another way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I say this about health and food all the time, right? Like learn to, learn to be uh, something we did. I mean, just as an analogy, something we did uh, a couple of years ago, as I saw this coming, I'm like, we have got to make ourselves completely free from packaged foods. Like we have to not rely on the grocery store or rely on it as little as possible. And so that was step one. And that's a little bit of a process, right? And you just have to accept, I guess you have to be aware and accepting of what could potentially be coming in order to do that. Cause I see a lot of people walking around like, Oh, Tina, you're being like, that's extreme. And that's, it's never going to happen. And I'm like, really? Cause it's, and then food shortages started happening and you know, the like. So getting off of ultra refined carbohydrates, getting off those addictive foods, getting off of foods that come in packages that you get from the grocery store. And, you know, step two being, being physically, medically autonomous, not being hooked on a bunch of pharmaceuticals. Cause if, it all goes to hell in a handbasket. Where are you going to refill your prescriptions, right? So it's all dependency. Right. It's all dependency. It's all of it. So we got to go down. We got to go down that list of dependencies on all levels and start to decide: Do I want to be dependent on the system, or do I want to be in, interdependent? Yeah. You know, where we're, we're, I'm working for myself, but then I'm also using community. Uh, so yeah, it's that that this is this is the path right now, or this is the choice. Yeah. You either do it do it yourself, or you 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 stay part of the system. Yeah, yeah, for sure, and. Being entrepreneurial is, I mean, I made a post today about that. Like, you know, being an entrepreneur is a real flex, not being dependent on. Imagine how many people wouldn't have been privy to mandates if they had been self-employed and autonomous, which was, I mean, that was, it was never an option for me ever to be an employee ever. So I've always been that way. And I can understand how that's daunting and entrepreneurialism isn't for everyone. But then it comes to the point where now I need you. It's like, I have money in the bank and this is coming down the chute. And I, what is, what does the CBDC stand for anyway? So the audience knows what we're talking about. Uh, Central bank digital currency. And, and every country, uh, there's over 110 countries right now that are either, 
uh, researching, uh, creating it, or rolling it out already. And with the with the U.S. being one of them this summer, uh, so uh, Canada actually just came out and announced they put it on their website. Hey, we're thinking about launching a CBDC. Here's a questionnaire for to for you guys to let us know what you think. <laughs> and I'm like, I want to read those. I want to read those answers to see what people have to say about this and if they want it or not. <laughs> oh, poor Canada! They're just getting hosed in all of this. Uh, you know, and the vaccine passport being a gateway to all of this. That was just, in my opinion, the minute they rolled that out, I'm like, this is just them trying out their control mechanisms via. Via their phone. It's, it's wild to me how many people cave truly in all of this. And I, I don't think people, I, I get, and you probably hear this often too. It's like, why can't you just get over it? Why can't we just move on? And it's not just about those of us who were persecuted during it. It's because of what we see coming. And why is it so obvious to us? And yet, it feels like 80, 90% of the population is just is not getting it. Even the ones who are on our team are like, I'm not vaccinated and I held the line. They still don't want to accept maybe the piece that I beat the drum, which is get your health in order. They don't, you know, they're like, I'm a medical freedom fighter. I'm like, yo, you're on five medications and you drink Mountain Dew and you eat McDonald's every day, that you are not medically autonomous, right? And then they don't want to hear yeah. it from you that digital currency might I, be, I, you know, a game changer in a bad way. Yeah, I want to say it's it's just comfort, it's normalization, it's um, fear. You know, you, uh, I feel like you have we have a spectrum of people that are either so codependent with the substance or thing or you know uh, government or whatever that there's a fear of like, what am I going to do if I don't have this? This is what it is. This is what I've always done. And then on the other side, you have. The professionals, the ones that are reliant on that system for their career, that have licenses, that have you know the things that come from those centralized systems, where they're they're you know some may be conscious, but I would say majority unconsciously protecting that license. And so it's like, no, 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 that can't be happening. I'm not even going to look at it; It doesn't exist. And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like all the doctors so. pushing the juice who refuse to keep up with the data. So I had piles exactly. of it. I'm like, are we having a different experience and a different reality? Because here's the data I have and here's what you're saying. <laughs> These are not lining up. <laughs> I mean, spiritually speaking, I would say, yes, we are having different realities. Yeah. I, I, this, I, I truly believe that uh, I had a conversation, you know, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Mm-hmm. So I had a uh, conversation with him about this where just about the cells and I just gave him my perspective and he was like, that sounds about right. Um, that as we, as we heal our bodies, as we expand our consciousness, as we deepen relationships, our cells will actually start to detox or push out toxins. Our bodies will start to push out all the junk. And then the speed of the cells, the, ele- the electrical, uh, the electricity in the cells gets sped up. It gets faster. It gets more, more, more alive. And I said, well, you know, does it make sense that if we, if we have a, a group of individuals doing this and then we have another group going deeper into the fear, can we be in the same physical plane of existence but not see each other? Where the, 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 those in the lower density, their cells are going so slow that they can't see those individuals that their cells are, are at the, the higher, higher, higher uh, speed. And that's when he says, like, oh, that sounds about right. So that's, I mean, it literally is like we're going to be in a different reality in the same existence, but not, not experiencing the same perspective, I guess, or facet. 
Higher Dose is the number one brand for holistic recovery with wellness technology tools, supplements, and awesome body care that harness the healing power of nature. From their best-selling infrared sauna blanket to the red light therapy face mask, which I absolutely love, and PEMF mats, their innovative products allow you to replicate the spa experience in your home and create rituals that enhance well-being. You can enjoy 15% off of all of their products when you head to my website at drtina.com, click on the favorite tab and that will show you many of their products there. That link will get you 15% off their entire store. This is what I want the audience to understand. We don't sit there and compare notes and teach each other conspiracy theories. We actually pretty much have all come to the same conclusions. And then we check in with each other to be like, hey, do you think this is what's going on? And do you think this is what's coming? And everyone's like, yep, yep, yep. You know, and like, it's like five affirmations. I'm like, ah, this must be Yeah, like the first time (laughs) I said to anybody that I was concerned about, you know, this or that, they'd be like, yep, that's exactly what we sorted out too. And it wasn't like we were looking at the same sources or getting our information from the same places. It was just like this inherent understanding in our core of being that like, duh, it's like freaking duh. Like, look at the obvious of what's going on and people just don't. I think their antennas are broken too. I think they're not able to, because well, like you said, I mean, I think of mitochondria and I think of them, you know, I, I used to tell people that in school, back when I was in naturopathic school, I'd be like, you know, we photosynthesize, right? Like our mitochondria photosynthesize. And everyone's like, you're crazy. That's nonsense. Show me your proof. Aww. And now we know mitochondria photosynthesize all these, tw- you know, almost 20 years later. So... I've always been a big fan of the sun. I'm all about like charging my melanocytes because I know my melanocytes somehow interact with my mitochondria. And when my mitochondria are supercharged, you turn into a giant magnet, you know, like that's how you manifest. Like you got to turn the magnet on. You can't, you can't have health, abundance, wealth, success, happiness, all of those things, unless you can magnetize it on. Like I I think of myself as this big Tesla coil and I'm just like, let's, let's go. (laughs) And I tell people that and they, they're they just like, well, how many carbohydrate grams should I eat a day? You know, it's- It's like, no, you're missing the point. Yeah, and like people are down here talking, at least in my world, like about macros and how many grams of protein and how many sets of reps and reps and which weight to use. And all. and I'm like, dude, I, I can't even, this is really hard to start explaining to people who are there. That must be that frequency difference. I don't know. I mean, you know, that I think it's like levels of um, uh, 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 calcification, you know, the pineal gland calcifies and then you just can't connect to the spirit. And then you're, you're just like, tell me the information. And you're looking everywhere for the information because the, the brain needs it because you can't, it doesn't check here. There's nothing there. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like that solar plexus isn't receiving the info. This is why I am baffled at why I can't wrap my head around crypto because I usually can. I can usually like open my solar plexus and things make sense. The things that need to make sense. Well, I can give sense. you. I can give you an analogy that kind of can give you a better perspective. Yeah, that'd be great. Would you? Would you like a nice analogy? Yes, please. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, so um, for for there's two analogies I want to give. So the first one kind of explains the self governing aspect of blockchain and like how how it actually works, and it's very connected to nature. That's the one thing a lot of people miss miss on. Blockchain, in my opinion, is a visual representation of what exists in nature. And, and, and the, the systems realize that and they're like, oh, we got to bring it back to 3D. And then they, they put trading into it and then the marketing and the scams and all the same stuff with a new tool. 
So how I like to describe the self-governing and like the, the value that comes from blockchain is uh, compared to a gold mine. So a gold mine, you know, like a cave. Um, you're, you've done the work, you did the research, and you know you've, there's gold in this cave. So you go there with your pickaxe and you start prospecting for gold. You find a piece of gold and like, yes, I found gold. And so you find another one, you find another one very quickly. And you're like, I got to tell some friends. I got to tell some people. I'm not selfish. Let me get some other bodies in here. As soon as he, he gets two to three friends to come in and they start finding gold, what happens there? There's two things that happens naturally because common sense <laughs> just happens naturally in the law of physics and how this reality works. The first thing that happened is the individual, the individual that was there initially, his chances of finding gold went down. Okay, because why? There's more bodies in the cave. And so now there's more people there to find gold. But at the same time, the chance, the, the, the difficulty, or I'm sorry, the, the chances of the group finding gold went up. So that means that the, 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 the network of individuals that were there mining, the, 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 it brought value to the mine because there's now there's a higher chance of the group finding gold. But then again, the individual, the chances of him individually finding gold, the difficulty level went up. Again, all of this happened naturally, right? Nothing, there's no like officiator there that was like, no, you're gonna get less gold than him because I like him better or whatever. There's nothing of that. It's just a natural thing that happens. So that's how blockchain works. Blockchain is based purely on the supply and demand of the, the, the individuals, the bodies, the, the work, and the ecosystem regulates itself. It self-regulates based on that supply and demand. In the current system, the, the centralized systems, the, the central party that is officiating right now, the banks, uh, are biased. And they can, because they're the middleman, they can filter the, the demand side and filter the supply side and control the information. You can't do that with blockchain. It's purely based on supply and demand. So that's the first analogy that I give. Um, that shows... Because you can go down that path of like a, a cave and all the aspects of a cave, and that's it. That's that's what blockchain is, self-regulating. And then the other analogy I give is about the systems. And, you know, it kind of goes back to that question of uh, uh, um, regulation and governments. So imagine you're walking uh, in the Wild West, in the desert, and you're, you see mountains as far as the eyes can see, desert as far as the eye can see. And then you see a town. And you're like, oh, cool, a town. And you start walking to the town. You get there and everybody's wearing fish on their feet. They're transacting with bananas. And they're going into bubble houses. Weird place. Cool. <laughs> uh, not, not, for, not for me. I'm going to keep walking to the next town. So then you keep walking to the next town. You see the other town. You get there and everybody's, uh, they're transacting with these green pieces of paper. They're getting into these square boxes that have these wheels on it and putting this liquid into it. They're going into these box buildings from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And you're like, oh, okay, this, is, uh, this seems a little bit better. And the guy's like, hey, come over here and get this a uh, piece of paper here that allows you to drive this vehicle. That's what we call it. And you're like, all right, I'll go there and get this thing. And I get to, and I get to drive this. Yeah. In our town, you get to drive it. Um, and so I, I decided to stay there for 30 years. <laughs> and then now I'm waking up to it. Now we're all waking up to the fact that we got into this town and we just agreed to be a part of it. And then now we're, you know, okay, I don't want to be here anymore. 
I want to, I don't like these agreements that I made. I don't like all the stuff that I said yes to. And I'm just going to start cutting ties. And then now I can either go to a new town or create my own town. And so that brings a perspective of the possibility that blockchain gives uh, to be able to leave these, this matrix and create our own matrix. And at the same time, allow us to also kind of be Neo where we can navigate both worlds, where we can have ownership of the legal digital version of ourselves that they created and, and they control that to push it, to bring it to us where we are in custody of it, as well as secure the weight of our savings, our wealth in our own bank and our own server. Yes. I love that. Well, somebody explained it to me this way and this really hit. He said, you know, when the, when the Jews were fleeing Germany and, and everywhere in Europe, when the Nazis were hunting them, many of them were very wealthy, but they couldn't bring their wealth with them. You can't travel far distances with blocks of gold and with your expensive jewelry and furniture and silver, you know, all of it. Like you can't, you can't take it with you. And crypto is something you can disappear from where you are and pop up somewhere else and you still have access to your wealth. And that really, that yeah. really drove it home for me. I was like, okay, that, that makes a lot more sense. Cause right now, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking straight up, like, what do we do in the zombie apocalypse? So I live on 40 acres. We are getting cattle. We're getting chickens. We're, you know, I'm making us as self-sufficient as we can and can be. And, uh, we have, my husband grew up here, so he knows the whole community, so we can trade for anything. I'm a doctor, so I can trade all day. Like, I will always be, and that was one of the reasons, no joke, I knew this was coming my whole life, and that was one of the reasons I became a doctor. And I, I learned very valuable skill sets. I took every single opportunity I could to take shifts or go work at clinics where it was hands on, like using my hands. And it's one of the reasons I became a chiropractor, because it's all, basically, I can heal you with my hands and pull plants out of the ground and heal you. Like, that was, the end goal, right? And I took, I ended up teaching minor surgery in school. I ended up teaching, you know, I, my whole career was injection therapies and with sugar water, like the simplest, if I can get sterile sugar water into your joint, I can fix your joint. So that was sort of my last couple decades was like, okay, I need to be very, that I need to not get voted off the island. <laughs> right. But I need, I need skills to make sure that I'm a, I'm a, uh, worth, worth something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like they're not, they will, yeah. I will trade medical for cattle. People keep asking me, can I become your patient? I'm like, only if you got cattle, <laughs> if you're willing to trade me some cattle, I will treat you. <laughs> Otherwise, no. So that's kind of where my head's at. And we, this is like the zombie apocalypse fortress here where we live, but we're in Oregon and they could just come any day and be like, we're taking your land and we're going to build solar panels on it or whatever nonsense is happening. So having some assets that you can just move and go pop up somewhere else and have is really, really uh, intriguing. And then that brings me to my, the one question I did want to ask you, what about holding some cash? I know cash is, you know, inflation is destroying its value and we could wake up one day and be Venezuela any day now. And I know the dollar's losing its value all over the world. Is there any utility in holding on to some cash? And if so, is there like a dumb amount to have? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, for the me- immediate moment right now, we're in, we're what, May right now? May 11th. Uh, the immediate moment, cash probably, just because things are about to fall maybe another 40 to 50% in the next three to six months, I, I would say. So having cash available right now so you can buy that bottom, buy the dip, uh, very, very uh, uh, 
good advice right now to do that for sure. Uh, in the long run, no, and, definitely not. And I mean cash in hand, not in the bank. I mean like cash in a safe. Yeah, I mean, e- even if you have cash, yeah, it doesn't matter, okay. right? That won't matter. I mean, I'll take that back. It, well, <laughs> if I believe what I believe, maybe not. Uh, so if you keep the cash in the bank, uh, it'll be much easier to get that programmable money all of a sudden. Okay. If you keep the cash in your safe, physical cash, I don't know. You know, if they if they do the switch, will they ju- will they just go? Oh, that's all worthless now. This is real, right? I I'm watching you know, some like, dude yesterday making crafts out of Venezuelan paper. I saw. Did that. you see that? Like yeah. purses and baskets, and I'm like, wow, that's out of their currency. Gone. It's worthless. Yeah. Um, it, the the inflation rate right now in the U.S. is 35 to 40 percent. 35 to 40 percent a year. It's not the eight percent they're saying. That is the that is the rate of new printing the the new money being printed. But that's not taking into account the other side, the the debt side. Um, you know, the banks the banks can't cover their depositors uh, because there's a run at the bank from the or the 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 selling of the of the shares. Yeah. And so there's there's all this happening in the background on the other side that creates a bunch more inflation that we're not realizing. Uh, money, you know, uh, um, prices going up. Just that alone, the prices going up, and then not, and then minimum wage not meeting that or not not matching that. So uh, yeah, in the in the long run, it's going to go down. It's going to be worthless. Yeah, especially because when you take into account that Bitcoin is deflationary. By the way, uh, Bitcoin is deflationary and finite. So there's ever gonna, there's only ever gonna be in our lifetime about 16 and a half million bitcoins in circulation. That's it. That's it. No more. Uh, it's gonna take 130 years for the other two million to be processed out. It's gonna take a while. So we're not gonna be alive to see that happen. So this is it. And so, um, and at the same time, it's deflationary. So it's going down in how many are being, um, um, uh, mined out or, or printed out. That's why it's going to take 140 years. Uh, and the next happening, it, it, ha- it cuts in half every four years. The next one's going to happen in the next year or so, a little over a year. So all of this is going to be baked in right now. We're going to, we're going to dump further to then bake in the next, the next happening. And then we're going to go nonstop at that point. Because if you do the correlation between the deflation rate of Bitcoin to the inflation rate of fiat, uh, somebody actually did this math and I've checked it. You know, Robert Edward Grant, Robert Edward Grant. So he checked this math. So I'm, I'm positive. It's good to go. Um, there is a date. There's a date. It's May 20th, 2029. That is the date at which, uh, you won't be able to exchange any amount of fiat for any amount of Bitcoin because fiat will be worthless. And so I, th- I do believe that we have maybe another two, two and a half years before we really start maybe even less because of everything that's happening, where we're really going to start feeling the hyperinflation. Okay. The, 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 the screen. Yeah, it's crazy. What are your thoughts, just because you're so smart about all this, what are your thoughts about real estate in in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, I don't, I personally don't like to stagnate money. Yeah. And that's a, that in this, in the current system, that's a, that's the, that's what they want you to do. They want you to stagnate it into the properties because there's, you don't really own the property right. ever. I know. I know. <laughs> you know, especially when it, especially if you're still paying property tax. So what I would recommend is first to, 
you know, you really have to, the first thing you got to do is, is separate it from your name. You don't want to be, you don't want your, you don't want your properties or your assets to be connected to your name, to your individual name. Um, uh, you know, there's, there are trusts, uh, corporate structures that you can create to create that separation. Uh, a trust is its own entity that creates credit, uh, within, within a year, it'll have enough credit to like take out loans. Um, so that's very beneficial to have one just for that. But, um, I would have everything owned by the trust. And then the other part of it, um, would be to change the classification of it. So this is something that I've heard from a few people and I met one person that actually did the process. It took him six months and basically you patent your house. So, or you patent your land. And so you go to the USPO office, you know, the US patent office, and you take the blueprints of your house, of your land, as much detail as possible, and you patent it. It's like $450 or maybe a little bit more if you use an attorney. And it takes, like I said, like six months, six months to a year, depends on, on the size of the, of the patent. And then you have that for 99 years. So now you have this patent for your property for 99 years, thus officially, uh, changing its classification from property to patent. So why would you continue paying property tax? Wow. So that's, that's true ownership. That's, that's yeah. what, um, that's what a lot of the elites do. Uh, they, they patent their land or their property. That is wild. Yeah. Real estate feels really, uh, final, you know, like I'm looking at, I live in Oregon, right? And looking at Portland, I, my heart goes out to the people who saved up all of their dimes and dollars to buy real estate in Portland proper a few years ago when it was, it's been so expensive for the past decade plus. I mean, it was, there was a time there probably 10, 15 or more years ago when everybody was moving up from San Francisco because everything was so expensive there. Well, Portland really, for those who don't know, Portland got very expensive uh, just after that. And people, I know so many people who are, you know, single moms, they have small homes, they finally saved up and purchased. And now the city is riddled with meth addicts and homelessness. And the property value is so bad that there were two or three hotels that had to file bankruptcy due to the pandemic and the severe lockdowns we had here. People don't realize that either. We had very severe, this whole pandemic has been very severe in Oregon and Portland, especially. And the banks don't even want to repossess the buildings because they're wow. so worthless. That's, yeah, wow. like we were diving into Detroit in the 80s and 90s kind of, and people don't see it. And so now, uh, you know, my prediction is BlackRock's going to come in, buy it, basically like make everything completely worthless. BlackRock's going to come in and buy it all up and Portland's going to turn into a 15-minute city. And they're going to love it. Ka- Catherine, Catherine Austin Fitz, she's, she was one of the first people that came out with that and said... This is what they're doing. They're doing the lockdowns. They're creating destruction. They're destroying these cities so they can buy it up cheap and then create the smart, the fifteen minute smart cities. Yep. Like that's uh, exactly what you're yeah. Saying. And Portlanders are going to love it because most Portlanders are way into the, all of this. Like they love their masks. They love their. They love it. They. We did just find out that healthcare workers are having the vaccine mandate dropped as of May 11th when the, you know, government officially decided it was over. So I want to celebrate. And also I am full of rage that it ever even happened. So I, I encourage everybody who feels like it to uh, bring a lawsuit because I think it's. See, and that's the thing, like, like, you know, you shared about uh, going and buying land and doing the regenerative farming and, and, and going down that path. 
I've never wanted that. <laughs> I, lo- I, 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 I enjoyed that. I actually enjoyed touching dirt and going and doing that kind of stuff. I have plants all over my house. I love doing it, but I also love a lot of the things about the matrix. Um, so for me, um, I really had to go down this road of like, can we, I, I, the question that came to me was like, can I, can we still live in the same locations, but use blockchain and use community and, you know, uh, these, 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 uh, uh, cutting dependencies and connecting to local resources, uh, in those areas with ourselves and blockchain would be the facilitator for that. Um, yes, I think so. I, th- I, d- I believe we don't have to leave these locations. We just have to uh, adjust how the money's flowing to take care of it. Because what's happening is we're relying on these, on these, on these third-party governments, and all they're doing is they're, they, they, they take your $100, they take out $30 or $60, they put it in their pocket, and then the other $40, they hire a private company to take care of the thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like much. we can we can we can eliminate the third parties guys we can do it ourselves and then just start hiring ourselves to do the work i love that no i i love it i i hear you and i think it's one of my friends who's really into bitcoin also made another analogy and he said imagine interacting only with people that you're in alignment with that's what bitcoin is is like yeah, sure. Maybe that cash that I have will become worthless that's in the bank. But if I have the Bitcoin, I now have a way to transact with other like-minded people who are also, you know, functioning in that world. So I thought that, I was like, that sounds good. But but not only that, not only that, here's a big one that most people miss out on. Bitcoin is is now becoming the people's reserve currency, okay? So the governments are creating their own reserve, CBDCs. That's going to be the, the official name of the global currency. I'm telling you, it's going to go down that road. Uh, BRICS, BRICS is going to create their own version of it. And it's going to be the BRICS nation. It's the same, same BS. Bitcoin right now is considered the people's reserve currency, meaning it's, it's so decentralized and so perfectly positioned right now that it is the market that we can push up against to create our own. So I've been telling people, look, blockchain is the tool. We can create our own markets. Like, let's say you, Dr. Tina, you, you're a chiropractor. You could create a, a community, and you do have a community already. So all you got to do is blockchain it. Uh, you, you'd create a community on Web3, on, on blockchain-based community, that would have its own coin. It'd be like Dr. Tina coin. Uh, maybe NFTs. NFTs can be the membership, the access point to be able to access the marketplace for your for your products or services. And you would create a market against Bitcoin. And so now you have value from the Bitcoin ecosystem supporting your coin, supporting your ecosystem, your offers. It's what I'm doing for my community right now. I'm creating a private marketplace so that we don't have to be dependent on mainstream narratives to determine the value of the asset that we're using to transact. That's that's the key right there, in my opinion. It's mind-blowing. <laughs> Yeah. Then we have. We're making our. We would be making our own money. Yeah. To transact with each other's and and the value and the worth. Where is it coming from? Well, it's coming from Bitcoin and it's coming from our services and our products and our offers. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I love talking to you. It's mind blowing. You bring such a like. You bring the spiritual side to it. It's not just all numbers and data, you know. And I appreciate that about you. I love your Instagram, by the way. You, I. 
<laughs> I, half the time I'm laughing and the other half of the time I'm like, what is he talking about? But it, it like, it like weirdly <laughs> makes some sense to me, but I don't totally understand it. I can't explain it, but it's, it makes me think and I love it. So, well, I can't help but like layer. Uh, I like to layer. So then I, you know, like some people are going to get it, but some are yeah, not. Yeah, it's great. That's <laughs> what it is. It's great. I love it. You're such a wonderful resource and I'm so glad you're my friend and I'm glad we got to reconnect. So uh, let everybody know how they can find you and all of your services and offers. Yes. Uh, so if you want to find me, I'm on Instagram. It's uh, my handle is at Otto Gomes, O-T-O-G-O-M as in Mary E-S. Uh, I, I do educate, I teach, I have an online course on my website, it's autogomes.live. And uh, my next class, if you want to be a part of it, is actually May 22nd. So I don't know when this is going to air. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, I do. I, I, oh, perfect. So I, I offer those classes every month. Uh, so if you want to be a part of the next one, it's May 22nd. Sign up, just go to my my Instagram and click on the link in the bio. Oh, awesome. And that sounds great. I will make sure to put all the links in the show notes so everybody can access you to get on that. Perfect timing. Thank you so much for coming on the Dr. Tina show. And I hope this was enlightening for folks. We got to bring you back and have like a crypto 101 kind of uh, tutorial for the kindergarten version because this was all really mind blowing. I'm actually going to do a doodle, a doodle cartoon to explain it. Perfect. That's what we need. I appreciate you. Keep doing what you're doing and fighting the good fight. Thank you, Dr. Tina. Thanks for listening to the Dr. Tina Show. Please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Tina, that's D-R-T-Y-N-A and Dr. Tina 2.0, as well as visit my website at drtina.com. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and mixed by Chris McCone. The theme song is by John the Guilt. As always, you can email the show at podcast at drtina.com. And if you like this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. See you next week. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practices of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. I am a doctor, but I am not your doctor. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is intended not to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice from any medical condition they have, and they should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. Do you suffer from IBS or other digestive issues? Are you looking for a new podcast to listen to? From the producer of The Dr. Tina Show comes the all-new health and nutrition podcast, Digest This, hosted by Bethany Ugardi. You may know Bethany as the face of the popular Instagram page, Lil Sipper, or you may have even read her book. Now you can find her wherever you get your podcasts. On Digest This, Bethany examines topics such as gut health, nutrition, the food industry, and highlights specific ingredients that can be beneficial or harmful to your gut health. She also explores non-toxic options in beauty, home, and cooking essentials. If it has to do with your health, Digest This is talking about it. Each episode features an interview with health experts, doctors, and wellness advocates and delivers you information that is, well, easy to digest. Bethany also delivers a weekly segment every episode called Bite of Knowledge, where she highlights an ingredient commonly used in food, skin care, household cleaning, you name it, and gives you the lowdown on the benefits or dangers that ingredient might have in your everyday life. From Botox, potassium, olive oil, and magnesium, all the way to those ingredients you can barely pronounce on the back of your cereal boxes, Bethany has you covered. There's a reason why it debuted at number two on Apple Podcast Nutrition Charts. Check out Digest This on your favorite podcast app.
New episodes every Monday and Wednesday. Produced by Drake Peterson and Resonant Media.